Want to become best friends with the single most powerful person in the country? Whether she's a Gucci girl, Prada professional, coach queen, or target trendsetter, we'll untie the purse strings and give you the inside track on today's woman. How to capture her attention, grow her loyalty, and create such enthusiasm about your company or product that she spreads the word with her friends and family. WebmasterRadio.fm presents Purse Strings. Purse strings. Join marketing to women expert Maria Retan, senior principal at Carmichael Lynch Spong, as she chats with those in the know so your business can grow. WebmasterRadio.fm presents Purse Strings. Here's your host, Maria Retan. Good afternoon and welcome to Purse Strings. I'm Maria Retan. Thanks so much for joining me today. You can catch Purse Strings every Tuesday at 3 o'clock Eastern Time. Each and every week, you'll learn how you and your company can corner the market on the most powerful consumer in the country. The 51% of us who control more than 80% of all the spending, the woman. Well, first up, uh, a study from Harris Interactive, they went out and asked um, Americans whether or not they felt organics were worth it. And um, they actually went out and surveyed more than 2,000 U.S. adults ages 18 and over. It was an online survey. And they actually conducted this around Earth Day. And what they were really trying to figure out is as the economy is starting to come out of its deep dive, are people starting now to care a little bit more about green environmental issues, sustainability, things like that? We know that those certainly took a hit when the economic uh, indicators fell out back in 2008. And so Harris Interactive was just curious that things are starting to turn around. Well, I guess not. It's pretty interesting. Um, apparently, Americans are divided um, in general on this. Eight in 10 of them, or around 80%, say they seek out green products, but only three in 10 are willing to pay extra for them. And in fact, a lot of Americans, 55%, believe that organic foods are healthier than non-organic, but they also feel like it's a reason to pump up the price. More than half agree that labeling food or other products as organic is simply an excuse to charge more. So they're highly suspect about things that are called organic. Um, And men are more skeptical than women when it comes to that. Overall, it seems, according to Harris Interactive, that the effort to be green seems to have leveled off a bit, with around 63% making the same amount of effort to be environmentally conscious as a year ago, Now, that is up from 2009, so we're starting to see just a little bit of an increase, but it's certainly not back to um, kind of the focus that it had been prior to 2008, so just found that interesting. If you're in that space, just good data for you to have. Our first profile today is the product professional. It's a woman who's committed to her career but trying to achieve some balance in her life after expending so much energy on the job. Does that sound like you? Raise your hand. Uh, Anyway, she's 36 years old, uh, married, three-quarters of them are married, employed full-time, 60% are parents, making more than $150,000 a year, so she's doing quite well for herself. Of course, they're college grads. Um, They really are confident in their style. Um, They believe that um, looks are important, relationships are important, um, possessions uh, really are a reward for all the effort that she puts in day in and day out, although she considers herself to be practical, not only having a practical outlook on life, but also practical when it comes to what she's buying. In fact, she will shop around for the best price when it comes to purchasing expensive items, and she considers herself to be very good at managing money and will plan ahead to save for those types of purchases as well. 
She does say she's a workaholic, but when she's not working, she likes to spend time with her family. She likes to indulge in the arts and entertainment. She likes to attend international events. She's very interested in other cultures. Um, and yes, she's environmentally conscious. This woman is very environmentally conscious. She will pay more for products that are friendly to Mother Earth, and she feels that it's her duty to recycle. So when it comes to products, what's she buying? Well, she's purchasing at retail like Neiman Marcus and Nordstrom, Pottery Barn, and yes, even good old Target. She's driving BMWs and, and Audis, and uh, if you're trying to connect with this this professional female in her mid to late 30s, know that she's reading a lot of magazines. She's watching a lot of cable and network TV for entertainment, but she's getting a lot of her information online. So magazines like Real Simple and Style Shape, Vanity Fair, all hot ones for her. And then she's watching E! Uh, Food Network, TLC, TBS, things like that as well. Well, my guest for this program knows a lot about, I would say, product professionals, but definitely women in leadership roles. Selena Rizvani is co-president of Women's Roadmap. She is a recognized consultant, author, and speaker on women and leadership. She's really focused on helping what she calls high potential women reach the top echelons of leadership, and we know that that can be super challenging these days. Um, she works one-on-one -on -one with these women, coaching them, and uh, working with senior leaders to position an, an inclusive workplace as well. She's also the author of two books, um, one from 2009, The Next Generation of Women Leaders, and then one that just came out last year called Pushback, How Smart Women Ask and stand up for what they want. I'm really excited to have Selena on the show. We're going to hear from her when Purse Strings returns after the break. Okay, time for something we can all relate to, shopping. Purse Strings will be right back after these messages from our advertisers. Aim clear. This is how you sell with social. Have you tried to do CPA conversions using social PPC and failed? <laughs> You're not alone. These days, Facebook, LinkedIn, and YouTube require true specialists to dominate. <laughs> AimClear, the agency, brings definitive psychographic targeting, bleeding-edge creative, and killer content amplification to the social advertising table. AimClear, this is how you sell with social. AimClear, this is how you sell with social. Ever wondered how you could have access to your own SEO expert, paid search specialist, or social media wizard? Looking for help with your affiliate, display media, or email marketing? Look no further than the folks at Fang Digital Marketing. Fang Digital specializes in both paid and organic search, social media, display, and mobile advertising solutions, and is staffed by industry veterans from Google, Yahoo, and one of the industry's most influential PPC experts. Fang Digital's award-winning staff stays on top of the latest in digital trends and offer tailored solutions so they can audit your progress and build a roadmap to your success. Learn more about their expanding range of full-service strategic marketing solutions at fangdigital.com. That's F-A-N-G digital.com. Time now for another exciting episode of Face of Analytics. Brought to you by AnalyticsSEO.com. In our last adventure, our hero was fending off his evil nemesis, Rhino the Algo. <laughs> That ruthless rhino has updated the algorithm again, and our website is falling down the rankings fast. Have no fear. Use our automated SEO tool to stay updated and to monitor your site with detailed reports. Or use our multi-site project management tool to manage all of your sites to stay on top. 
take it from our fearless friend and be your own SEO hero with AnalyticsSEO.com. It's time to start jamming and spamming with the founding fathers of SEO. Decades of combined SEO expertise give their take on the world of SEO. SEO rock stars only on WebmasterRadio.fm. Her Strings is back with the inside track on Today's Woman. Here's your host, Maria Retan. Joining me today is Selena Rezvani. She's a co-president of Women's Roadmap, and she's the author of two books. One came out in 2009 called The Next Generation of Women's Leaders, and the other one just out last year called Pushback, How Smart Women Ask and Stand Up for What They Want. Selena, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. Well, I'm excited to have you on. I'm really interested to know more about Women's Roadmap. Tell me a little bit about what led you to establish the consultancy. Well, you know, um, I was working as a consultant at the company that that ranks the 100 best places to work in America for Fortune Magazine. And what a great experience that was learning what makes a high-trust culture, you know, for employees. What I started to get asked though, by a lot of leaders was, what do we do about women leaving at record numbers Mm -hmm. and off-ramping from the workplace? How do we keep them? How do we keep their interest if they leave the job, you know, in their kind of mid-career? And, you know, how do we get them to think of us, to think of us as a great employer when they're ready to come back into the workforce? And that's really where Women's Roadmap started. It was with that goal to help the women themselves, of course, you know, feel like they had great viable careers at the level that they left, by the way, not not at a lower level, um, and also to help the companies that, that want to employ them and see them as top talent. I love that. I think that is a is a great reason to start Women's Roadmap and one that I'm sure, as you well know, is, is greatly needed. And... And many of us um, would probably love to know that Women's Roadmap is out there. You you know, you do a lot of consulting, only to, not only through Women's Roadmap, but through a lot of the things that you write. You have a Washington Post column. You have two books that I talked about, the latest one, Pushback, How Smart Women Ask and Stand Up for What They Want. Do you feel like the two books that have come out within the last three years of each other have things in common and the second is kind of a natural follow to the first or are they distinctly different? Yeah, you know, um, I've heard a saying and I really identify it when it comes to pushback. And, And that saying was there are books you know, you want to write and there are books you need to write. (laughs) You know, this was the latter. I would say this was the latter. You know, when I consider my first book, um, I felt so driven and determined to interview top women. I really saw an access issue. You know, why is it that it's so hard for an average woman to access a top woman leader? You know, it's not exactly easy to get on her calendar, find her, ask her to lunch, let alone get her advice, you know, for moving up. And that's really what motivated the first book. And that was a thrill. It was an amazing journey in, you know, ask for participation and you will often receive more than what you ever dreamed of. That was really the case in terms of the wonderful group of 30 women I interviewed. 
And the first book, The Next Generation of Women Leaders, became kind of a leadership guide. Mm-hmm. And I, I cared a lot about negotiation at that time, but and I heard an earful, by the way. Mm-hmm. From I the bet women. you did. <laughs> I, I really did. I really did. It was, you know, I asked my way to the top. I requested, I proposed that I was the right person for the job. I heard a lot of that kind of talk. Mm-hmm. And it got me interested. You know, that that's what made me want to dedicate my second book to the art of women negotiating. And so I picked a new cohort of women. Uh, I would say there's some similarities with the first book and there's a lot that's different. But I actually, you know, I felt like negotiating was such a kind of squishy, murky topic that I actually asked them to quantify it. Mm -hmm. I asked them this question, assuming a woman's career success equals 100%, what part of that is made up by her you know, prowess at negotiating and self-advocating. How important is it, you know, to Mm -hmm. really negotiate and self-advocate? And I was surprised by the answer when I averaged the 20 women, their their responses came to 60%. Wow. That's to say 60% of a woman's career success hinges on her ability to hold her own, make a request, back it up. And that was, wow, that won me over that made me want to dedicate this book uh, just to the art of of asking and doing it well. Mm -hmm. It's interesting. I was just at a women's leadership conference um, just last Friday and one of the women speaking said, you know, we, we as women tend to say our work speaks for itself, you know, great work will get noticed and and that's the way we're going to get up the ladder. But it sounds like this, 60% you were hearing is that's absolutely not the case, that it's an imperative for us to be vocal and to call attention to our successes. Would you agree? Uh, Yes, (laughs) you said it beautifully. And it's it's absolutely true. Um, You know, don't be the company's best kept secret. That's often what I'm saying. You know, you're not doing anybody any favors. You're not sharing your talents, your contributions by shrinking, you know, in that way and just hoping you'll be crowned with the tiara, you know, by some nice hero. Um, you have to be vocal. I, I believe if you're going to negotiate, self-promotion is part and parcel of doing that. You know, and one mantra I have for women that's helped me, I think it can help a lot of women out there, is if it's true, it's not bragging. Mm -hmm. You know, if you brought in that revenue, if you created the efficiency that saved the company 2% last year, you know, if you brought in that book of business, whatever it may be, it's fact and you need to speak about it that way. Mm-hmm. You know, it doesn't need to be this really loaded topic mm-hmm. um, that's so hard to discuss. You know, the well, old yeah. saying is is that, yeah, managers have short memories. So you have to remind them what you've done. That's absolutely right. And and I love that. It takes kind of the um, pat myself on the black, back gloating approach that I think so many of us feel like that if we talk about ourselves, that's what we're doing. It kind of takes that out, right? It just makes it a statement of fact. And mm-hmm. we're just stating the facts for someone who may not be aware of it or may have forgotten it as well. Um, I'm just curious uh, if this is one of the tips or one of the things that women in business school 
really don't know when they graduate and need to kind of figure out once they get in the workplace. I mean, as I'm sure there's a slew of things that they think they're ready for, but then when they get that MBA and they get into the real world, they realize that maybe they're not quite as, as ready or there's maybe a deficiency in some of the things that they've learned. Yeah, you know, I think you could just do a whole reality show probably on on men and women in, you know, business school, really, because it's that interesting of a sociological kind of experiment. Um, it's it's very interesting. And, and in business school, it's so encouraged and rewarded to be aggressive, to be a self-promoter, to be, you know, the first one to raise your hand and volunteer for that great opportunity. You know, it's so much about showing up and being, as you said, vocal, being visible. Uh, that gets you, you know, half the way, I would say, in business school. Um, but I think, you know, there are a number of things we're not learning. As someone who's been to business school myself, I would say I remember spending about one day on negotiating. Mm-hmm. And and it was informative, it was instructive, but boy, it was not enough. You know, so much of the business world, as a lot of us know, is is about raising your hand and getting attention and, and showing that you're confident and that mm-hmm. you can do it. Um and you know, you you it, that's not about being polite mm-hmm. and, and sitting back and being deferential and waiting. It's about being proactive. It's about being, you know, talkative about what you're doing well and sharing your accomplishments. And I think those are things that become obvious by the end of business school but are not overtly taught. Mm-hmm. Um, so much of succeeding in business is about good self-advocacy, knowing how do I hold my own in a really contentious, tough meeting or conversation? You know, how hard can I push if I disagree? Um, You know, what if I have the unpopular point of view? How do I get that said and shared without hurting my credibility? You know, I I think these are a lot of the kind of tough, um, sticky conversations we face, but we don't learn exactly how to navigate them in school. Mm -hmm. Would you say that maybe there are three things that you could use? could let listeners know today that they need to consider when negotiating? I mean, you've already mentioned some of them, but if you were to say there were three imperatives, what what would they be? Sure. And it's, you know, I have to say it's hard to limit them to three, but, uh, but I, <laughs> sure. that, that's, uh, that's what books are for. I mean, that's mm-hmm. where you can get more. Um, it's also because I'm passionate about this. And I would say one of the first things is that I'm a believer that people, men and women alike, especially in this job market, suffer from low expectations. So, you know, there's never been a more popular time to slap down a raise request, for example, or to say, hey, it's been a tough year for the company. Why would you think we could grant you that? You know, and I think that's kept a lot of people silent, really, from asking for a raise, even though they're doing twice the work. When it comes to it, I think the first tip is don't give in too soon. There's often this fear that if I get no, you know, if I get some pushback, uh, I'm going to just slink out of the room with my tail between my legs. 
and, and don't do it before you do anything in a negotiation. Commit to yourself that you're going to stay in, in, in the game. You're going to go a few rounds. Even if you get a no, right off the bat, you're waved away with a dismissive mo- uh, no. Uh, ask some questions. You know, can you tell me how did you arrive at that position? Mm-hmm. You know, I hear you saying no. Um, can you say more about why that's the case? Mm-hmm. Okay, just asking these expansive questions is something most people don't think to do. Mm-hmm. Um, same thing with, you know, uh, you know, trying to learn more from the other side. You know, is, would it help you if I advocated this? to the next level so that you don't have to. Mm-hmm. Is there a way I could make granting this request easier for you? Mm-hmm. There's a second thing we can do, and it's to train ourselves that when we hear no, to hear no as not yet. Mm-hmm. When I've interviewed the most successful women you know, in their fields, one thing I've learned about them is they, they didn't get yeses <laughs> their whole career. They, they heard no often. They, they had doors kind of shut in their face. And they trained themselves to hear no is not yet. Mm-hmm. This is not a damning conclusion. It's not a stop sign. It's a chance for me to say, how can I pitch this a second time? Mm-hmm. You know, how can I make the value come through? Mm-hmm. The last thing I would say is uh, last year I had the pleasure of doing a survey together with LinkedIn, you know, the professional networking site. And we surveyed men and women, and we found that the most confident negotiators are the ones who are active networkers. Mm. So they network either online or in person more often than the rest. Uh, and, and I think we can all deduce why that's the case. But, uh, you know, you have such an advantage when you're connected to a network of people, when you can say, hey, I'm about to go into a negotiation with this person that you know well. Mm-hmm. What could you tell me stylistically, you know, could help me? Mm-hmm. So, uh, again, that's a free, easy thing for us to do, to tap our own network to hear success stories about other people who've done this, and yet many of us don't do it. Right. Well, and I think, too, Selena, having a network like that, you go in also with a certain amount of confidence that even if this ends horribly, mm-hmm. you know, you have a network that's going to support you. And um, even if you ultimately decide that this place isn't the place to stay, Um, you have a network where you can more easily potentially find that next opportunity. I think having a strong network gives you the confidence that, you know, you can go in and fight for what you want. You can make it happen. If not here, you can make it happen somewhere else. I think people who feel like this job is the only one I can get, I think they're oftentimes the ones that are, are least likely to go in and really fight for what they want. They feel more like they're a, like a patsy as opposed to a partner. I couldn't agree more with you. You're you're 100% right. So we're going to take a quick break, Selena. When we come back, I'm going to flip the women's networking kind of on its ear and talk about the consulting that you do with companies on building women's networks within their organization. So more from Selena and Women's Roadmap when we return after the break. Okay, time for something we can all relate to, shopping. 
First Strings will be right back after these messages from our advertisers. I'm John Ball, and I'm one of the founders of Page One Power. Page One Power is a custom link building firm based in Boise, Idaho. We increase search rankings and web traffic for world-class brands and mom-and-pop shops all around the globe. Our link building strategies work because we focus on relevancy and quality, and we don't outsource anything. Our in-house staff of professional writers and researchers is the best in the industry. We're the link builders you've been looking for. Visit us today at pageonepower.com. The Web Marketing Association is now accepting entries for the 17th Annual International Web Award Competition. Web Marketing Award winners receive an image plaque, certificate of achievement, higher visibility for your company, valuable feedback from our expert judges, and links to your site from the highly ranked Web Award site. Visit www.webaward.org to nominate your company, site, or organization. The call for entries has begun, and the deadline to enter is May 31st, 2013. Go to www.webaward.org and sign up today. Oh, yeah. My day is done. Time for happy hour. You're already done for the day? Yeah, because I use certifiedknowledge.org. Their PPC tools literally save me hours every day. How do you keep on top of all of Google's new features? Easy. With Certified Knowledge, their interactive learning modules keep me up to date. And if there's something I don't know, I can watch their video lessons without having to hunt around the Google help files. Great. I'm ready to expand my knowledge. Hi, I'm Brett Geddes. I'm the only leader officially supported by Google to teach the advanced track of the AdWords Seminars for Success. I personally recommend CertifiedKnowledge.org as your one-stop shop for all your PPC needs. Learn. Optimize. Connect. Be smart. Go to CertifiedKnowledge.org now. It's time to saddle up. With the Search Cowboys. Search Cowboys will round up search engine marketing, social media, and more. Search Cowboys. On demand anytime inside the International Marketing Channel. Only on WebmasterRadio.fm. Her Strings is back with the inside track on Today's Woman. Here's your host, Maria Retan. I've been chatting today with Selena Rizvani. She's the co-president of Women's Roadmap. She's also the author of Pushback, How Smart Women Ask and Stand Up for What They Want. And we've been talking about women and negotiation and the skills that women really need to be able to advocate for themselves in the workplace. And we were talking right before the break about the power of having a network. But I also know that you consult with companies on building women's networks within their own organizations that really allow them to recruit, retain, and develop critical female talent, which we know it's challenging to keep, keep women in the workplace and growing. Uh, at the beginning of our chat today, uh, we were talking about how women do opt out of the workplace and that you do a lot of consulting around making sure that we can get them back in the workplace at, at the same levels that what they left. I'm curious, what are the biggest issues you think face companies today when it actually comes down to keeping and promoting female talent? You know, there's a lot of disagreement at the top, frankly, about this issue. And I think that can be one of the first, you know, foundational things is there are plenty of people who look around and say, wait a minute, i take the, you know, train every morning and half of it is full of women who are working, who are professional. Uh, Same thing when I look around my workplace. What's the problem? 
You know, there are so many people who say there is no issue. We're at 50-50 when it comes mm-hmm. to men and women in the workplace. And I think that's a bit of an issue in and of itself. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes, they're absolutely right that women are 50% of the workforce, for sure. But when it comes to top levels, we see a narrowing effect, not just in industries that are male-dominated, but industries that are considered pink-collar, like nursing, like nonprofit work. Even those areas dominated by women have few women at the top. Mm-hmm. So we see this kind of lopsided leadership no matter where we go, and I think that tells us we're not at 50-50. You know, it's also a little bit harder to tease apart, you know, at this point in time. This is not the Mad Men era, you know, is it? It's not mm-hmm. a time where you tend to see things kind of as overt Um, you know, somebody, you know, being told something completely inappropriate may not be as commonplace today. What scientists, what researchers have called what we see are micro inequities. So these are a lot more nuanced, you know, in the workplace in 2013. Mm-hmm. There are things like, you know, having men and women in a meeting and, and just, you know, as luck has it, having asking a woman in the meeting to be the note taker, mm-hmm. you know, asking a woman in the meeting, will you be the one to order lunch, mm-hmm. even though that's not her job? It kind of feels comfortable for, for many people to think of women in that way. Um, and, and the truth is this leads to bigger inequities. You know, we know that when we see somebody ordering the lunch, that, that's not the person we think of next to take the VP role. Mm-hmm. you know, um, right. to take the, the meaty kind of job assignment or opening. So I think we have to watch for those little micro inequities. Uh, the same thing can be said for, you know, even something kind of friendly and paternalistic. Sometimes when a woman is a new mother, which, which I can relate to, I'm a new mom, and I, I see this play out, sometimes in an effort to protect her, we don't even offer her the exciting international opportunity, you know, or the, mm-hmm. the opportunity that requires some travel, let's say, because we assume, oh, I'm trying to look out for her. Mm-hmm. But in fact, you know, what we're doing is insulating that person. We're, we're essentially excluding them, you know, mm-hmm. from that experience. I think the other thing I would say I see when I work with companies is kind of a fear, you know, a fear to shine a light on what women think. You know, and I think it's really the brave companies who are saying, you know, come on in and tell us what, do an assessment. Tell us what women here want more of. What what would it take for them to stay and invest their careers here with us? Mm-hmm. Um, I, th- I would say just one last quick thing is some of the bravest companies, Procter & Gamble is one, are actually putting their money where their mouth is. They're rewarding people who have a track record of promoting both men and women equally up ladder. Mm. Yeah, what I I hear also in your response is that we as employees allow those subtle nuances to happen. And shouldn't we put a stop to that? So if 
you know, don't we have the ability to start changing that around? Or do you feel like fear is playing a bigger role and we just have to, we feel more that we have to accept these subtle nuances? Because we talked earlier about confidence to speak up for yourself and, and those types of things. I feel like we, we almost, as women, need to put a stop to it or bring it to someone's attention in a professional way. I mean, what's your thoughts on taking that proactive kind of approach in the workplace when you see those kind of subtle nuances happening? Yeah, you know, I think I'm glad you asked because that's somewhere we can all take action, you know, and I think one way is to redirect the request. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I don't think that's Joanne's job. I'm fairly confident that's not in her domain. Why don't we ask so-and-so whose job it is to, to order the food? Or, you know, last I checked, she's an assistant vice president. I think we can find someone else to take notes. You know, mm-hmm. I think some of it is just a simple redirect. You know, there are other companies that have actually taken more formal strides. You know, Deloitte comes to mind. Um, they've been recognized years over now for being a top employer. And they chose to do something called uh, bias training, where they train men and women on how to minimize bias that all of us, men and women, by the way, bring into the recruitment phase of things when we evaluate men and women. You know, there's Mm -hmm. so many studies that show like when you look at resumes, for example, that are perfectly equal, that say Joe Smith and Joanne Smith, that we tend to think Joe Smith is smarter. Not just mm. men, but men and women tend to attribute more competence to that person and what's really interesting is more likability. Hmm. Likeability. Um, so, it is interesting. <laughs> <laughs> it is. It is. I'm curious if, just kind of shifting things through just a minute, because I know the last four or five years with the economic downturn, you know, in 2008, it was called a man session, right? More men than women lost jobs. We've seen a lot of male, quote unquote, dominated jobs start to rebound. We've seen more women losing jobs. I'm, we've also know that more women than men start their own businesses, I'm curious, as you look at the landscape today, do you, do you feel like the last five years have been good to women, have created more opportunity for women in business, or do you feel like we're just not quite making the progress we need to make? You know, I, 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 not, uh, I don't feel that we're at the progress place that we want to be, and, and I think the numbers speak for themselves in that area. You know, I think that the last number I saw said, if we continue at the current rate that we're improving, just with women CEOs at the Fortune 500, okay, of which we're only 3%, mm-hmm. <laughs> we're only leading mm-hmm. 3% of the most admired companies in this country, um, that we will achieve parity, men and women, in the year 2095. Crazy. <laughs> right. Now, I, I'm not, I don't take that lightly. I hope none of us no. do. No, you know, accept that easily. Right. Um, so I do think, though, that women's issues have never been hotter. I mean, I almost hesitate to use that word, but it's true. I think it's a hot issue right now. I think Cheryl Sandberg, I think 
you know, the COO of Facebook. I think many people have drawn attention to women's issues, even if you look at the last election. Mm-hmm. Um, we saw a lot of talk about women, whether it was women being unfairly evaluated based on their clothes and appearance, um, or, you know, we even saw some of the ambivalence men and women felt towards a woman leader, you know, mm-hmm. regardless of party. Uh, we saw this. I, I would even go so far as to say, regardless of how you feel about party, Hillary Clinton's a great example. You know, in our last election, we knew that men and women weren't 100% comfortable with a female leader. We actually have data that shows this. I think Americans were about 90% comfortable with it, with a woman leader. And, and we weren't sure what we wanted from her. Again, regardless of what side you sat on, did you want her to be really strong? Did you want her to be feminine? <laughs> I mm-hmm. think we weren't sure what we wanted. And, and I was listening to a speech last week, also at a women's leadership conference, where I heard a political commentator say she didn't run as a woman. Hmm. Next time, if there's a next time, she's going to run as a woman because there's so much momentum around women's issues right now. Hmm. And, and I would agree with that. I think, you know, whether it was the, the man session, whether it was attention paid to working single mothers getting the squeeze during the recession, um, like you said, women's unprecedented numbers graduating you know, we know mm-hmm. that women graduate with the best grades mm-hmm. and the most degrees from universities, you know, so we can't blame it on talent. We can't say, you know, the lack of women at the top is because we don't have a good pipeline of women. No. No, that's not the excuse for sure. And I know I've kept you over already, but I do want to get this last question in because I, I – I, I want to say we have some hope here. <laughs> what are the opportunities for women today that you see, that you see turning around and, and making it possible for women to stay in the workforce and reach higher levels? You talked about P&G. What are some of the opportunities you're seeing really quickly? Yeah, and please let me say it is not all gloom and doom. Uh, if anything, Harvard Business Review recently reported women's natural skill set is the ideal complement to the modern business. So I would argue that women are the leaders of tomorrow. So again, this is how we frame ourselves, how we see what we're, you know, what our potential is. But I would say some areas where there are huge opportunities are currently male dominated. Mm. Um, one is tech. Right? We see Sheryl Sandberg as a shining beacon of what's possible mm-hmm. in this industry. Also, the acronym STEM science, technology, yes. engineering, and math. Yes. You know, these are industries where jobs are going overseas and employers in the U.S. are so hungry for smart, you know, well rounded talent to be right in their backyard, let alone female, because mm-hmm. these are typically male majors, you know, science, engineering, et cetera. The other one that we know is considered a very safe uh, kind of job environment is healthcare. And, and I don't just mean, you know, traditional hospital type jobs. I mean, healthcare at large, health insurance providers, 
um, you know, medical equipment. I think any area that's touching this field of healthcare uh, is only going to grow, and that's been documented. So I think there's a lot of hope for where we as women leaders can forge new paths. Well, and sadly, we're out of time. I know we've only touched the tip of the iceberg. I so appreciate you being on. And for people listening today, I would love to direct them to womensroadmap.com. Selena, thank you so much. Oh, my pleasure. Your questions were terrific. Thank you. And thanks to my producer, George. And please join me right here for another edition of Purse Strings next Tuesday at 3. Until then, make it a great one. This has been a presentation of WebmasterRadio.fm, the world's largest business-to-business radio and podcast network. We welcome you to sample past episodes of this program, as well as our complete library of programs, on demand or on the air via our 24-7 live audio stream at www.WebmasterRadio.fm. The opinions expressed on this program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of WebmasterRadio.fm's management or sponsors. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without authorized consent of WebmasterRadio.fm is prohibited.